Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today I have with me the pyjama gardener, Chris Piper, and we're going to be talking about vegetable growing and we're going to be looking at it from 50,000 feet, which quite often we don't. We tend to delve really deeply into narrow subjects. We're going to try and paint some much broader strokes today and talk about different types of vegetables and what we might be able to learn about them and use that to guide our decision-making going forwards. But first and foremost, why don't you uh, say hello and introduce yourself, Chris. Let everyone know a little bit about yourself and what it is you do and how it is you you came to be doing it. Okay. Um, Hello, my name's Chris. Uh, It's kind of a bit of a long story, I suppose. So um, I I am a uh, horticulturalist, at least that's what I consider myself. I've been in the industry for... 25 years now um but i've been growing vegetables since i was a nipper really um my father had a three acre plot which was half of that was orchard and the other half was vegetables so um i was probably about four years old when i was first handed a packet of radish seeds and uh anyway the the bug hasn't worn off you know it's been part of my work and it's part of my personal interests as well. Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping that you're going to demystify a few things for me today, Chris. When I first started, as, as regular listeners will know, I am relatively new to the whole idea of growing food. So it's not like I've got a vast wealth of knowledge to draw upon. And I do remember when I first started out, I knew that there were different types of plants that were split into some broad categories. We had legumes, we had brassicas and you know two or three others that uh that, that are escaping me at the moment but i remember i i remember i split my bed into four and i was going to use that as the basis for crop rotation and i'm just wondering if you can help us kind of understand these wider categories and what they tell us about the different plants and the differences that we need to take on board when we're growing them Okay, so we well, you, you've you, you, you've pretty much summed up most of them. So you, you've got brassicas, um, the legume sort of family, which is more your beans and peas, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, there's more leaf crop, I would call it. So spinaches um, uh, and salads, sort of stuff. Uh, and then, of course, uh, root crops. That's the one I was trying to think of. Root there crop. you go. So, your parsnips and your carrots and uh, beetroots, those sort of things. Now, the so the the, the crop rotation thing, um, you, you you've got to think about the soil. I think the soil is the most important thing. You you don't really need to worry about crop rotation, that sort of thing, if you uh, put more effort into making sure your soil is really rich. Um, you can grow certain crops in the same places over and over and over again as long as you make sure your soil is really good mm-hmm. so um 
But understanding the, the, the different groups is is handy because certain crops like the, the legume family, so peas and beans, they um, harness an awful lot of nitrogen and then store it on the roots uh, in little nodes. So when you've when you've removed the top and you let the roots rot down in the ground, then uh, other plants which require more nitrogen, so like the brassica group, which generally tend to be heavy feeders, they they get to it. They they want a big size. They really want to you know really put their roots out. Um, they want a lot of nitrogen. So even in uh, you know tra traditional agriculture and modern agri agriculture, because Britain, don't forget, is a big pea producer. I think there's a, a massive amount of peas that come out of this country. I don't know what the percentages are. Oh, I didn't know that. But what what the uh, farmers do is they grow the peas, and then once they're once they're done, these days what they try to do is just chop off the tops, and then they'll plant brassica. Would normally it'll be something like broad beans or that kind of type of thing for animal feed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, they, but what they're doing is utilizing the that particular plant's um, abilities and characteristics, and then applying it to the next so those are the groups to really you know be, be thinking about it's really easy for you to get in touch with us you can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message you can send us a voice message just using your phone you could also reach out to us on Facebook, where we have the Self-Sufficient Hub group and the Self-Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. But then it comes down to space, because brassicas do take up quite a lot of room. You need to give them a lot of room. Um, I, I Currently, I'm dealing with a much smaller garden than i've uh, had in the past because of the lockdown and the covid business so i've, I've turned over my entire garden at home into a, a vegetable plant. yeah so now i'm dealing with a smaller space that means that i can't just grow as many calabrese as i want to um I, i've got to sort of plan things out uh better in order yeah. to maximize on my own space and so when it comes to planning out your space that's the key thing is is really how big a space you have um uh, otherwise, otherwise you could end up putting in crops that are far too big at the wrong time of year you know yeah so how do you go about sort of segregating things out into you know knowing when to plant different things okay so brassicas in general are happy to germinate in much cooler temperatures um with peas they also will germinate nice and early as well okay so so with those particular groups of plants you can get away with sowing nice and early and get some really decent seedlings um they 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 they, they tolerate a lot of shade um so I, I what i what i do is i i will sow uh cabbages onions that sort of thing much earlier but i also do sow quite a lot of tomatoes but i keep them inside um somewhere warmer to to, to germinate 
Um, but those particular plants, they don't really mind the shade. They don't really mind that sort of thing. And they also don't mind a little bit of a cooler sort of temperature. So I will sow those sort of things a lot earlier because I can get them out earlier. Um, and then things like cucumbers, those sort of things, you, you start to sow when you've got past the frost date, basically. Um, so let's take a step back a second then. At yeah. the risk of, you know, going a bit too basic, you know, what, what are brassicas? So brassicas are, so the cabbage family. So they're pretty distinctive because of the, the, the structure of the actual leaf. They get very, very big leaves um, uh, um, and they, they, they form a very big root structure as well. Um, so brassicas, you've got anything from pak choy right the way through to uh, even rocket is a brassica as well. Um, so they, uh, Brussels sprouts, you, you, those, those plants. And kale? Kale, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the ways I tend to tell my brassicas is by the uh, the size of the the stem that's left at the end of the season. They've always got <laughs> yeah. really big woody stems, haven't they? Well, kale and uh, there's a particular Brussels sprout, I think, which is grown um, in Guernsey, which they turn into walking sticks. Wow, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, they, they grow, you can get them, a, uh, it's a Guernsey variety and they grow a good sort of four or five foot high. Um, and if you take the stem and you dry it out just right and you yeah. soak it in a hundred of oils and stuff, you end up with a really fancy uh, walking stick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, so to, to sort of close the circle then on brassicas brassicas are a lot of people refer to them as a, a cool weather crop don't they in areas of the world that, that get weather that we don't so brassicas yeah. would you say that we can be growing brassicas pretty much all year round oh yes i mean well cabbages depending on it's all about variety as well so yeah. you're you may well may well find that you can grow certain varieties better than other people so but in general say something like a greyhound yeah cabbage uh, pretty quick like it like its name it's pretty quick to grow you can grow probably i would have said sort of three crops in a year um you want to start one early you can uh, do a successional one sort of like two or three months later you'll just about get away with it but the, the key thing with brassicas is is trying to sow for the winter um i love purple sprouting broccoli so um that's something that i generally try to do uh, in september time for the simple reason that all brassicas they get attacked by the cabbage white butterfly with the brassica family you've got a few pests that are a pain in the ass during the uh summer months yeah so the best thing to do is to sow as many as you can uh in the september sort of time late august september um brassicas are fantastic for uh, the, 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 as long as you get them in in the right amount of time to form a decent root structure they will go through the winter they'll have snow on them blizzards freezing you, you name it they'll, they'll be absolutely fine by the time you get round to um, the spring and um, purple sprout and broccoli in particular 
Um, it's fantastic because as soon as it starts to warm up, it sprouts and, and it goes on for a good sort of two or three months. But it's all about making sure that you've got the plant nice and established the latter part of this of, of the year you know yeah of course because even though they will survive through the winter you don't want to be planting them so late that they haven't had a chance to really get going before the winter hits do you no and that's that's the same thing with with now so we've got potentials of frosts coming up um you can you can um make sure that the plant as long as you get it in get it in a good month or so before the frost so like you did in your video just recently with the potatoes yes I mean, you're doing the right thing because you've got them in the ground the, the frost that we're going to have is probably only going to be just a sort of hoar frost you know it's, it's not yeah. a deep freeze so those potatoes that you've got in the ground are going to be absolutely fine um the the tops of them yes okay if we do have a frost they 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 could get touched but um the point being that if you've got a plant in the ground and it's developed a really decent root structure when something bad does come and happen it it can grow back and it will tolerate it you know yes i mean i say about brassicas i say about brassicas being attacked by cabbage white butterflies but even if you've uh, had a plant which has been you know absolutely ravaged by uh, the the butterflies you'd be surprised they do actually grow back so they do recover you know but that, that's because the plant has become mature yes um yes. so uh, like for instance we had a load of uh, parsley outside the back of the house over the winter and i really didn't think it was going to sort of kind of make it after all the snow absolutely fine we had some mizuna salad which i, co I couldn't recommend anymore that's brilliant stuff that was out in the back garden. Um, yeah, it had snow, you know, the whole thing. That came through fine. And a lot of that is to do with the fact it's got a decent root structure in, in place already. Yeah. Because particularly, I mean, I know when it comes to potatoes, you think about the actual volume of the plant when it's got its first little shoot sticking up out the ground you know that, that represents just a tiny percentage of the actual plant doesn't it and then when the frost comes it is just that little bit that it attacks and you know it might knock the plant back a bit but generally speaking the plant's going to come back and do fine i think this is the thing you know we we see plants from from the ground and above and we forget that in fact the the heart of the plant is the roots in the ground and the soil itself is incredibly important. So we, what you see coming out, out of the ground is an indication of how healthy the ground, you know, what is going on in the ground, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a, a very human thing to sort of kind of purely observe the top of the plant and forget about what's actually happening down in the ground. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So brassicas then you know we can we can plant them not you can't plant them all year round obviously or well, there's no point planting them when uh you know it's sort of in the uk at least december and january but we can be growing them all year round what about moving on to the next sort of bigger category then and talk about legumes you can now support the show directly just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub you can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, 
You can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. I mean, in my head, legumes are peas and beans. Is it? Is it as simple as that? Uh, yes, pretty much. Peas and beans, I would say, was legumes. Yeah. And um, um, what? So, what? What are the characteristics of legumes when we're thinking about as a gardener? You know, we've 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 covered brassicas, legumes. When can we grow them, and how do we grow them? What considerations should we bring to the table? Okay, so uh, this particular group, even though we're, we're saying peas and beans, it's, that's pretty much more to do with the characteristics of their growing, you know, with climbing uh, yep. uh, fashion. But peas themselves are much, much, much hardier than any bean. Um, you can germinate peas seeds at sort of 45 degrees fahrenheit you, you say any bean even broad beans ah sorry yeah there's always exceptions <laughs> to well done yes well spotted yeah but it's so, so, so there's always exceptions. yeah for, for sowing then should we consider peas and broad beans to be in a category and then the other beans to be separate yes Sort of, yeah. <laughs> well, so, feel free to, to expand. Okay, so I mean, only because only because the flowering habits of the broad bean are slightly different to the flowering habits of the pea. Okay. So pea, peas and broad beans both are quite happy to get going a lot colder. Uh, peas, on the other hand, have a particular. So they, as soon as they start to flower, um, they 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 start to form their little pods. Yeah. Yeah. So the normal pea, you know, you, the, the kind you. So there's three different types of pea. So you've got um, your normal pea, your petit pois, you know, your yep. garden pea type. Then you have Mons two. Yeah. Um, sugar snaps. All should know being pods, and then you have sugar snaps. Now sugar snaps are a, 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 a fantastic um, introduction from America. They're a cultivar from Oregon, where they basically um, form a Mons 2 first, so you've got an edible pod. Then they start to form the little tiny peas inside, so you have a slightly chunky, fat yeah. pod that you can eat. And you can let them go on to be peas as well. So uh, I personally think that they are the best choice, uh, regardless of space, because they have a much longer sort of harvesting period yeah uh, i should be clear. i should be clear on that so with a pea when as soon as they start to flower at the beginning of the summer they try to form their peas and their pods the one thing about peas uh is that if you don't sow them early enough you've just reduced your harvest period because as it gets warmer and as the sunlight hours is they're, in, they're most intense then it becomes much harder to sort of pick the peas in time. And as soon as you get like a, a pea that goes gray, the whole plant starts to, um, you know, go bad. So you've got to make sure that you harvest them in the right amount of time. Yeah. Also with a pea, you've got to pod them all. So Mons 2 is a much nicer 
to grow because you don't have to faff about faff around you've got just the you know you just take them as soon as you've got pods but i just think the sugar snap peas are just they're fantastic i i generally only grow sugar snap peas uh it, it, and like i was saying earlier something i think i said earlier if the phone didn't cut out <laughs> um about whatever you grow being the tastiest thing you ever eat there is an exception to the rule there as well and that would be the normal humble pea um you i it's a very hard argument to sort of say that the frozen pea that you buy in the supermarket isn't you know it's it's a culinary um miracle really yeah. taking baking peas freezing them within an hour and having them that fresh in a bag is is quite amazing yes yes and, and as, as a kid as a kid used to having the pod having the pod peas for hours upon hours with my grandparents um i think the frozen peas is a is so sugar snap peas and mons too but certainly sugar snap peas are definitely a better one to grow uh Raw beans, on the other hand, yes, they will germinate in much cooler temperatures, but their um, flowering um, is quite different. So as soon as they start to flower, you can keep pinching out the tips and you will start to get a, a, you know, a, a fair bit better growth out of them. Um, but again, it's a similar thing. You don't want them to go too far into the summer because the, the, the beans themselves don't really like it um, with the the daylight hours but beans i do love growing beans um i I grow quite a lot of the bush ones because you can sort of squeeze them into sort of kind of little corners on the beds and you know little gaps anywhere Um, yeah yeah. they have a shorter period of harvest time and you don't get quite as many beans but you don't get that kind of glut thing all in one go. So you can control um, your supply of fresh beans. So you can, what I do is I sow sort of, I'll have about 12 bush plants out there when I've got 12 green ones, 12 red ones. Um, And then um, I'll sow another load in a month's time. And I'll do that a month later and a month later. And I'll do a successional thing for over a course of about six months. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, I only sow the beans about now because as soon as I know it's getting warmer, then I'll do the beans because um, they do not like a, a cold snap at all. No. Well, the, um, there's, a, there's a couple of bean varieties I particularly like grow really well here. They're quite common ones. Um, and I think mm-hmm. they're both bush beans. And that's the, the purple teepee and the senesta beans, the one purple and one yellow. And uh, mm-hmm. they're just so prolific. I don't know if that's just where we are, if we've got perfect conditions, but they're, uh, they're a bean variety or two bean varieties that uh, cover pretty much all of our needs for fresh beans through the season. Yeah. yeah. There's, I, th- I think this is part of the problem with modern life. Uh, you know, we, we're going to work and you want to try and make sure that whatever you're, whatever you're growing, you, you, you don't grow too much in one go. So much can go to waste if you think that, you, you know, you're going to want to plant rows and rows of peas and cabbages. Um, quite a lot of these videos that you see on the, on the YouTube, they're market gardeners, they're people like that. And they've got rows of like 50 odd cabbages. Um, 
you know, if, if you don't have the facility to store that and process that, you know, you, you've got to think about, you've got to think about the end game. Yeah, we, we eat a lot of vegetables, but I don't think we would get through a cabbage a week over the whole year because there's quite a lot of cabbage in a cabbage. It is, yeah, yeah. You've got to be, you've got to be a bit careful about it, about, about what you're growing. So that's why I like to grow things that, like the sugar snaps and the mons too. Yeah, uh, purpose sprout and prop. Um, a normal calabrese head is quite easy to come by and at a reasonable price, you know. Um, but purple sprout and broccoli is is really expensive. Yeah. Mons 2 is really expensive. Sugar snap peas are really expensive. Um, so uh, it's funny that you can you can grow the fancy stuff um, and, um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how easy it is to harvest. Yeah. I, I'm surprised. That, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that it is the cost that it is at the supermarkets, but. Well, I, I, I will also admit that we do actually, we grow for gluts as well, but that's because we're trying to uh, obviously, you know, carry a lot of that produce through into the hunger gap to get us through when there's not very much in the garden, which is kind of where we are right now for the next few weeks. Yes. I mean, that's where everyone is, should be focused with their, with their growing is the hunger gap. So it's very easy to sort of get on the, you know, I'm going to, Grow this. And I'm going to do that now and um, start growing it. And most people make the mistake of not bothering to do anything when you get to September, when you get to late August, September. Um, and that's a, a really good time to be sowing a lot of stuff. To be honest, yeah. Um, when you get to the midsummer uh, uh, fennel bulb, that you know that then because if you if you try and sow that earlier on in the year, basically basically bolt um so and even things like beetroots that sort of kind of thing as long as you've got them sown around about midsummer and in the ground you'd be surprised how long they would last into the winter yeah and so we're trying to close up that hunger gap that's the uh, the whole goal basically um especially if you're tr if you're thinking of trying to be self-sufficient that is really the end. That's really where you need to be focused is, is trying to actually close that up. Yeah. Let, lettuces are, are, are an interesting thing because they, um, they'll germinate at really cold temperatures. Um, with a little bit of help, if you keep them on your windowsill, then you can be germinating and growing lettuce all the way through the year. Um, there are things inside you can keep doing cress, uh, something I've got into this year is pea shoots. I uh, discovered that you could buy very, very, very cheap dried peas from the supermarket and they germinate brilliantly. Wow. <laughs> I've never tried to grow proper plants, but it, you know, when you think that you can spend just a fiver on like a great big kilogram um, and pea shoots are brilliant because you can harvest them within sort of three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, they feature an awful lot in Asian cooking and that sort of thing. And they are fantastic. I've used them for loads of different things now. Um, so there's no excuses. You know, there's always something you can grow all the way through the year. Um, but, but that hunger gap is where it gets harder, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, even if you're out foraging, 
if you're into foraging at all, Massive there's very little, you know, there's very little you can find during those times as well. So, you know, that's 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 what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's quite often, I think, foraging wise, there's quite often some greens, isn't there? But there's not a lot else. Chickweed no, and, you might find the, yeah, the old sorrel and, yeah. There's not enough. So it's the you know it's the ant and the grasshopper riddle thing, isn't it? You know, yes. You've got to be get yourself prepared for the winter, and um, if you've got the space and if you've got the time, then growing for gluts is definitely a you know the way to go. Um, I do. I, I grew loads and loads of. Uh, uh, French beans last year on a big frame. It didn't take up much space. It was probably only sort of three meters by a meter. Yeah. Um, of beans, um, but those beans were we blanched and froze them and put them in the freezer. And we were, I think, I used the last. Well, no, I think there's still some in there actually. Um, but pickles, I absolutely love to pickle things. So, um, yeah. We're still using gherkins from last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, pickling is a, a huge part of what we do. Well, I mean, just preserving in general is a huge part of the the overall picture of what we're doing here because we, it, as much as, you know, I want to eat as seasonally as possible, that's a big part of how I want to be, you know, that, that with the hunger gap and, and just generally, you know, there's lots of things that we want to eat all year round, even though they don't always grow. You know, if I didn't have access to tomatoes of some kind or tomato puree of some kind all year round, you know, that cancels out a hell of a lot of dishes that you can't make, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we make up quite a lot of... Um, so we grow as many tomatoes as we can. Yeah. And we make up quite a lot of um, uh, sauce, which we freeze and keep in the freezer. Yeah. Um, and then, But we're dealing with a small space and and, um, and time as well. And so a lot of it is, is really, um, you know, little luxuries along the way. Um, so... Do you have anything else in your little list of points that you wanted to hit, Chris? Uh, mm. uh, don't feel under pressure to say yes. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would say, I would say the key thing here is 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 plan to make mistakes. You know, don't be worried about making mistakes. It's actually through mistakes that you learn how to succeed. Yes. Um, I, I think this is one of those things. Education these days is geared much more towards um, achievement. You know, like, you know, like you've, you've always got to be right. Um, horticulture itself is, you know, it, it, it's, there's, a, there's a philosophical sort of side to it all, really. There's, you, you need to test your space out. You need to test your environment out. Don't be afraid to 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 sow things that you you want to grow, and don't don't be don't be worried if it goes wrong. No, because you'll you'll work out a different variety. I mean, for for years, I've been growing all sorts of different lettuces, um, and I still do. Still grow a whole lot of different varieties. But I can safely say that there's, there's 
there's there's ones that like say Webb's wonderful, uh, fantastic lettuce. You, you, you never go wrong with a Webb's wo <laughs> wonderful, you know. Um, they're brilliant lettuce, but uh, you you learn this through sort of trial and error, and just I, th I think that's I think that's the key to sort of success in horticulture is just to make those mistakes. You learn a lot better from doing that, um, and uh, and also you get to understand your own space for sure and grow better in. I would say that's for sure. One and thing. one last question from me before we uh, start to close out. We're about to tick into April, Chris. If there were just two plants that you could tell everybody they have to sow in April, what would they be? Uh, okay. So there are two plants. <laughs> I, I know it's a bit of a curveball you weren't <laughs> expecting. So uh... there are two plants. There are, there, there are my two, there are two plants that I keep in, in my garden, which uh, I've done for years. Um, if I didn't have anything else growing at all, then perpetual spinach is definitely one you want to have with you because it will see you out, whether it be cooking something because it can be cooked or whether it be a salad. Okay. It's a salad and perpetual spinach can actually go on for, I've, I've had certain lumps of perpetual spinach for two, three years. That sort of yeah. thing. It can go on a long time. Anyway, the point is perpetual spinach is a brilliant one and will suffer the winter as well. Okay. The other one is, is because uh, with veg growing, you know, you were talking about tomatoes and beans and these are always flavorsome things that you add to your food, aren't they? So herbs are really, really important. Um, uh, one of the things I was missing over the year of, lockdown gardening here was establishing my my herb garden again um and it wasn't until within the last few months that everything was you know a lot better welsh onions i can't welsh onions are just fantastic they're they they save you they are an allium which um grow like chives but are much much bigger um but of course you you can use those onion tops for spring onion type thing or again they can actually be cookable yeah um so they would be my kind of um they would they would they would be my two crops that i would definitely always keep around me for kind of a survival thing yeah yeah <laughs> if, if have you ever grown egyptian walking uh, onions no, I haven't, but I've I've heard of. But they're very similar. I'm a isn't huge it? fan. They spread yeah. out. Yeah. And again, that's another. You, you see what I mean? So you've you want to try to keep certain crops around you that that, that, that can go right the way through the year. Then there are other crops. I mean, kale is obviously one of those other ones, you know. Um, but then there are other crops that you're going to have to sort of successionally sow, like your beets and your leeks and your and your. Um, uh, beans and that that sort of thing but 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 definitely the the two that if you didn't sow anything else in the next month or two and gave up on gardening <laughs> altogether as long as you sowed, as long as you sowed some perpetual spinach and you sowed some welsh onions you've definitely got a salad yes. 
That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so before we sign off, Chris, uh, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Okay, well, uh, look me up on Facebook, uh, the, the Pajama Gardeners, uh, Instagram, and uh, YouTube, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. And you are the Pajama Gardener. Or the, uh, and I, lo- I do love your YouTube videos, and I love your Facebook <laughs> persona, but I'm yet to see you in pajamas, it has to be said. I know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm actually quite quite aware of that each time I've I've uh, done the little videos, but it just started this year. It started too many people asked me questions last year after me making little videos as answers to their questions, and uh, so I, you know, you have to come yeah, up with a name absolutely. for these things. And uh, for me, the pajama gardeners, I'm doing it from home. I kind of felt that was uh, representative of anyone, yeah, <laughs> like yourself. I'm sure you've been out there with the goats in your, in your dressing gown. <laughs> Absolutely. <a> <laughs> okay, Chris. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on today and keep doing what you're doing. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.